You know, the past four months have been a challenge for some people. Um, uh, those who have had to pick up extra responsibilities and work here at Cornerstone uh, more than usual to uh, fill some of the spaces that needed to be filled. And um, it's also been a, a pretty rich season for some as well. And uh, one of the things that, as we're getting started here, I just wanted to acknowledge, and that's that I think that uh, the staff and the elders over the last four months have done an absolutely spectacular job. Um, and, you know, um, yeah. It is not an easy thing. It's, and it, it's not just about the fact that the boyers weren't here. It's about the fact that the way things flow, when you take someone who's very central in the way things flow and pull them out, it's very easy to have a lot of hitches in your step, you know? And it's, I, I don't know if you've been in a situation in your home where uh, one of the key family members has been in the hospital or has gone through a surgery or something, and just everything in the home you have a hard time figuring out how everything flows, right? And that's the way it is for family life when, when someone goes in sabbatical. And it allows you to see some of the things that they've been carrying. It also allows others to step in, but man, it can put some serious strain and stress. And while it's supposed to be rest for everyone on one level, for those who are, are, are uh, kind of bridging the gap, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, challenge in that. Uh, with Netzer, uh, we work, you know, we work interdenominationally bringing churches together across uh, denominational lines. We bring uh, churches together. And I think last I checked, there was like 40 or 45 different denominations that were represented across Netzer. So many, many backgrounds and movements. But there's a few congregations across the network of Netzer that, that we work with who um, either their denomination isn't uh, capable of providing a whole lot of support, or they don't have a denomination, they're non-denominational, but they're looking for uh, not just connection with the wider body of Christ, but actually looking for covering and support from the outside. So we form oversight teams. Uh, sometimes that's those of us who are on staff with Netzer. Sometimes we find other local pastors who we think could be really helpful, um, a kind of outside perspective, and put them in place as an oversight team for that church. And, you know, we've had an oversight relationship here. There's been an apostolic oversight team here at Cornerstone for a while. And um, one of the cool privileges that we get to uh, experience, Keith Yoder and I, is that when we come and meet with the elders and then and listen in on what's happening, what are the decisions that are being made, how's everybody processing things, what's going on, and just get to watch leaders in action, like, thinking through very real things that are going on, prayerfully considering what God's doing, and then responding to the body with a, a way of taking great leadership. And um, from that perspective, I also just want to say that Keith and I were talking about this and just saying, man, we are so proud of the Cornerstone elders over the last four months about just the, the whole processing of spiritually seeking the Lord and really pressing in to say, this isn't, this isn't just a time to get through. This is a time to really hear from like, what's God doing and how are we joining and moving forward? And just really sense that. So for those of you who are elders, way to go. And for a body of Christ at Cornerstone, just know, 
like, it's been a cool thing to watch the elders go after it, and you're really blessed uh, with the, the elder leadership that you have. And, uh, and with the staff leadership you have, they worked their tails off, you know? So anyway, I just wanted to say all that this morning before we get started. And I want to, um, normally, you know, when I come, I pray for, um, I often will pray for Justin and Naomi uh, with you, take time to pray. But uh, today, we're not going to pray for them. We're going to pray for all the other leaders. Not that we're not praying for Justin and Naomi, you know, but you know what I mean. Let's pray. So Father God, we just honor you tell us that, uh, that, there, that those who serve among us as elders are worthy of honor, are worthy of honor. And so, God, we ask for the pastors and elders, leaders of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Lebanon today, that, God, they would be blessed with such a deep sense of being honored in the midst of their service. God, we thank you for those who have put in. I mean, there's been a lot of extra meetings. There's been, not only is it a time when the boyers haven't been around, um, and and it's also been a time when when Peter's being brought on, when there's new uh, staff being added, and in the midst of that, dealing with all things COVID and politics and all of that in the midst of it. And so, God, we just say Thank you together for leadership that's seeking you and navigating the waters, understanding that, man, there are places where you can wreck this ship if you're not careful. And we need to be sensitive to the winds of the Holy Spirit and the direction of our captain. And so we thank you, Jesus, for guiding and leading and for, uh, and for leaders who are willing to be like a sail and a rudder kind of uh, sensing the spirit and following the direction of the captain. We thank you for that, God. We ask for your blessing over the elders and pastors who have been serving over the last couple of months, that they would be strengthened and encouraged in this new day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. How many of you in the last, you don't have to answer this question, but I, I want to get a general sense. Have, have people been had to get physicals lately, going to the doctor to get physicals or take your kid to get physicals. Anybody doing that? Getting checkups? A few? Yeah, okay. When you go back to school, right, kids oftentimes have to get a physical, get a checkup. If you're starting your sports, you might have to get a sports physical. Cornerstone right now is about to enter onto a new journey. Does everybody know that? This is a new day for Cornerstone. As, as the boys are returning from sabbatical and uh, as Peter's going to be coming on staff and as there's like, there's a new chapter for Cornerstone ahead. And I think embracing, again, embracing the identity of a church here, a city church in Lebanon and with the mission of God, God's calling Cornerstone right now into the mission. And, uh, you know, I... I my understanding is that those who are in the military, before you get uh, sent on any mission, before you're, you're uh, sent into the, to the next thing that you're uh, commanded to walk into, you go to the medic and you get checked out. And uh, I know before uh, our kids go to school, they got to go to the doctor and get checked out. So what I want to do this morning is, with the understanding that this is a new day and a new chapter for Cornerstone, I want to use our time this morning to do a spiritual checkup. 
And that's what we're going to be doing. This is like going to the doctor, standing in front of the doctor and saying like, all right, we're about to go into it. What are the things that you need to check to make sure that we're in a good spot for moving forward? You know, because there's, there's nothing like uh, going with your teammate uh, and you're about to go into the mission and then it turns out that they're sick and they didn't know it and you were counting on that, you know, person and and what they're going to do. So part of the reason you go into a checkup is to be able to serve with others appropriately. And um, so that's what we're going after. Here's the problem, is that anytime you go after an assessment in the spiritual world, in the Christian world, you know what the danger is of an assessment, is that it might be that spot where we're judging ourselves in order to see how good we're doing, either for the sake of taking pride in how good we're doing, or as a tool of shame in order to be shamed about what we're not doing well. And you remember what Paul says? He says, I don't even judge myself. That's what Paul said. He's like, he's like when it comes to people out there, he's like, why are we spending all our time judging? I don't even judge myself. Like, I leave that to the Lord. And, you know, when it comes to, um, to judgment, there's, there's so many different narratives in the Scripture about who God is. I mean, the scriptures all together make one big story about God, but you can follow any allegory or analogy about God, and if you hold it separately from the other analogies, you'll get a really twisted picture of God. Like, if God is only dad, a father, if that's the only picture we have of God, it'll be a very limiting picture, because he created the world. He's a creator. And if I only see him as a creator, and I don't also see him as a savior, then I see him as a very distant God, right? And so each facet of who God is, we have to hold in balance with the other parts of the perspective of of God. However, when it comes to doing the spiritual assessment of ourselves this morning, I want to make it clear that I'm not doing this as we lean into the image of God as judge. That's not what we're looking at right now. There is a very real picture of God as a judge. And that's true. God uh, is the one who at the end of the day decides what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. And we need a good and righteous judge. And right now in our world, we know that we need someone who actually knows what's right and wrong and can definitively state it no matter what anyone's thinking or feeling. We need an almighty, righteous, just judge. Amen? We need that. And so uh, there's nothing about this takes away from the deep need for that. However, when it comes to this assessment, what I'd like us to be looking at is the picture of God, not as a judge who's judging whether or not we're doing well spiritually in performing well morally, but rather we're coming to the great physician. We're coming to the doctor who knows how we're made to function and who's taking a look at us and saying, that's working well, that's not working well. When you go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you know what, you have this spot that's, that's not good that we need to get checked out, or there's something about your blood pressure that's not working right, 
is that a judgy moment? Is that about like the doctors like, you know what, you're no good. I mean, some of us can feel that way about some of the stuff, right? But the, but the point is definitely not to assess whether we're good or bad by the doctor. The, the point is us being able to function at full capacity and be healthy. And today, as we're doing this assessment, I want us to be thinking in terms of God being the only one who can truly look at our lives and know exactly how we're made to function and wanting us to flourish as human beings. And so us coming to God and saying, we need help. We don't know how to see all the stuff here and we want to flourish and so God help us know what needs to be adjusted in order for us to be healthy. Make sense? I have to bring that caveat because there's such a temptation in a religious setting that when we're doing an assessment, it's all about gauging how we're performing to see if we're legit or not and whether God loves us or not and whether we made the cut or not or whether we're good or bad or any of that. And that's, all of that is a totally different topic than what I'm going after. It's not irrelevant. It's not unimportant. It's just not what we're going after. And, by the way, a reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we never go for performance-based legitimacy anyway, right? And one of the things we talk about all the time in, in Cornerstone culture and Netzer culture is that what God does in the gospel is he front-end loads his approval of us. He puts his love, his affection, his approval, his acceptance out in front. It's not I perform, he gauges that, and then he decides how he feels about us. It's that Christ dies on the cross, rises from the dead, imputes righteousness on us, takes our sin away from us, declares us as whole and righteous. And then what happens is, to the extent that we believe that and live within that, we start to perform very differently. And so that it's a totally flip. So even if we were dealing with God as a judge, we still shouldn't look as, at the assessment as to whether or not I'm okay in the eyes of God or whether I should feel okay about myself. Okay, so I just want to make that abundantly clear because the rest of the time, I want us to take a hard look at ourselves, not to judge, am I good or bad, but to say, how can we function at full capacity so as we go into this next chapter of of cornerstone life, that we're ready to roll. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. I, um, when, when we moved back into the Pottstown area um, years ago, I needed a doctor, and somebody recommended, hey, there's this doctor. He's, like, crazy. This guy's, like, a wizard doctor. Like, he's really good. You need to go see him. Like, okay, whatever. So I go to get the checkup, and I walk in. And, well, I'm, in the, I'm in, back in the office, and he comes walking in, and he walks in, he's a really, really quirky guy, just like weird, quirky guy, you know? And uh, he looks at me. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't do anything. He just walks in the room, shuts the door behind him, looks at me, says, can you stand up? <laughs> okay. So I stood up, and uh, he's like, can you take your shirt off? And I was like, okay, this is like, he's going there fast, you know? Like, I took my shirt off. And he's like, are you an athlete? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you get headaches after playing sports? And I said, yeah. And he's like, when did you hurt your shoulder? And I was like, oh, okay. I, I heard it in the surfing accident about 10 years ago. And he was like, 
Yeah, he's like, next time you hurt your shoulder, and you will, it'll come out again. And he said, next time you do, make sure you get it fixed and your headaches will go away. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I was like, uh, that's weird. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, you read my notes. You know, and, uh, and, and he's like, no, actually I didn't. And I was like, okay. He's like, your shoulders are kind of crooked like this. And he, there was something about his perception of me and looking at my skeletal system that made him realize it was putting pressure on a, on a spot that would cause problems for me. And he was right. And I ended up jacking up my shoulder again, and I got it fixed, and I no longer get headaches when I play ball. Um, and it was amazing. It was like prophetic, physical prophetic ministry at its best. And I was like, man. You know, another time... Uh, I went in because I was having issues. I had been traveling, and I got really sick. And I, um, they discovered this problem. All my platelets and my white blood cells were super low, like crazy, crazy low. And they assumed it was because I was sick. But then they kept following up, and it never was getting better. And eventually they realized that I um, actually had a blood disorder that had been around since I was a kid, but they had never discovered before. And it was only once they were assessing this health issue that they discovered. And isn't that the way it happens sometimes? That uh, we're going to get one thing looked at and they discover something else. One more story is I was at a dermatologist and um, he was doing an examination and he looked at a spot on the back of my leg, uh, like a, just a little freckle, and he said, ah, there's something suspicious. We're going to take that off, flip over, and I'm going to take it off and take a biopsy. And when I flipped over, he turns back around and the leg that had been on this side, once I flipped over, it was the other leg. Well, it turns out that there was a spot on my other leg that looked similar, and he took that one off instead. And then, he, and then afterwards, he's, he was getting ready to pack up, and he's like, wait a minute. I just took it off of the wrong leg. I'm so sorry. He's like, I guess you get a second biopsy for free, so he takes it off the other one. Well, it turns out that the one he accidentally took off was melanoma. And... Uh, and, and the one that he intentionally took off, it was clean, you know? And what's amazing about when it comes to taking a good hard look at ourselves is that what we think we're looking for oftentimes isn't what we discover. And the reason we go for checkups and physicals and we're supposed to be doing that, the reason is because there's all sorts of things that can be going on with us that we don't know is there. And it's important in our spiritual lives to be really open and honest with God as a doctor and to say, you know, I don't. And I need you not only to fix the things that are not working right, but I need you to discover and reveal the things that aren't working right and fix them. And that's a big deal. Because for many of us, when we're acting as our own judge and our own doctor spiritually, and we're not like really searching hard for God to, to shine the light on us, then what happens is, is we have major blind spots to our own health. And even the body of Christ who's with us may not see it, or if they do, they may not say it. And we might be walking through our lives having major issues affecting our ability to function at full capacity and yet not even know that it's happening. And this is why 
it takes great humility in order to go through spiritual assessment with the Lord because we need to actually come to terms with the fact that like I am not whole. In Luke 5.31, there was people who were giving Jesus a really hard time about the kind of people he was hanging out with. And they were asking him why. And do you remember what Jesus said? The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. And there's this incredible invitation in that, that when we meditate on it and think about it, that, man, all of us need Jesus. And yet what he's saying is the only ones who actually need Jesus are sick. And if we do the math... (laughs) You start to realize, I think Jesus said I'm sick. I think that's what he just said in the nicest way possible, that I'm sick. The passage that was read to us as we got started this morning was from 1 John. If we say that we don't have sin, we're calling God a liar. The whole reason there's a death and a resurrection is because of our sickness. Because of our illness, we needed a blood transfusion from Jesus. We needed our whole being to be reformed, rewired, and reborn to be made new. And it's not just once at a moment of salvation. The thing is, is that we're going to be celebrating communion in a few minutes. And we recognize that communion is a built-in spiritual assessment test. When we come to the Lord's table in Corinthians, it talks about make sure that things are good between you and your brother and sister. Make sure you're meditating on the body of Christ. If you take this communion, but you're not considering the body of Christ, you take it under your judgment. In other words, if I'm not thinking through what all does this mean, and I'm just taking the thing, then it's losing its power, its healing power. Because the point is not just that I'm taking a piece of bread and drinking cup. It's that all of the symbolism at the Lord's table is to bring us back to taking a really good and healthy look at our relationship with God and one another. And so this is what the Lord calls us to, but it takes great humility. So for the remainder of our time... Uh, I wanted to give some good background on what spiritual assessment is about and why we do it and all of that. But the remainder of our time is going to be a lot different here for a few minutes. Um, You're going to need either a pen and paper or you're going to need a phone that you can write notes on if you promise that you're not going to also be looking at Instagram videos and tweeting about how awesome this message is or... (laughs) Like, whatever, you know, that, that you can pull up your notes or whatever that you can write on. Um, because what I want us to do is to get some space with us and the Lord where we can just listen to the doctor bring diagnostics of us. And I'll give us a topic, and then we'll reflect, take a little time, be quiet, reflect on it. And uh, that's what we're going to do for the remainder of our time. Okay, so in order for this to work, it's contingent on... Our invitation from God that says, I actually want you to show me where I'm sick. I want you to show me where I'm a sinner. 
I need help. If I'm at the spot in my life where I'm like, no, what I want is to be, like, I want to know that I'm good and I don't need help. This is not going to work for you. It's not going to work. It's not going to be helpful. And feel free to bounce if you need to. (laughs) You know, like, it's just not going to work. That what works is I actually believe God wants the best for me. And that requires that there's some sickness that he needs to, to figure out, you know, whatever system is part of my spiritual system, my spiritual nervous system or skeletal system or whatever, find it, God, show it to me and heal it. And you know the prayer, the great prayer of Psalm 139, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me If you want to pray that prayer right now, I just ask in the quietness of your heart and your own words that you would invite God to bring assessment for you. When you're in the doctor's office uh, and you're in the lobby and then someone calls your name and you walk back, first thing they typically do is put you on a scale. And uh, they're checking uh, you know, where your weight is, where your height is. Are you growing? Are you shrinking? Are you gaining weight? Are you losing weight? Are you the same? And there's a lot there that the scriptures invite us into, spiritually speaking. Is there growth in our spiritual life? The right kind of growth. And are we being well-nourished right now? And are we appropriately taking our caloric intake and putting it to use? Are we exercising our faith? So the first place of assessment, pretend that you're on the spiritual scale and being measured right now, and just ask the Lord, has there been growth in my spiritual life in recent history? You can ask that question. Second question related to the weight, to the, to the scale. What am I eating and consuming right now, God? Am I eating the right kind of food? Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such Am I consuming, having my eyes taken, and am I ingesting things that are healthy for me? Or am I living the couch potato life spiritually? Am I just eating whatever junk comes my way? Or am I meditating on the word of God, thinking about things that are praiseworthy? And am I ingesting the right stuff? Is there growth? Am I ingesting the right things? And then the last thing that I want you to meditate on in this moment is, am I exercising my faith? And what that means is, is am I living life just doing my thing, or are there places in my life that are deeply requiring me to trust God? Are there places in my life where it's like, God is calling me to this, and it's super hard, but I'm stepping out and finding out God's here, and my faith is growing. It's being exercised. So I'm ingesting the right nourishment, but
but then I'm putting that into action with exercise, and there's growth happening in my life. That's a spiritual assessment. This is not about performance-based legitimacy. This is not judging for right and wrong. This is about health, right? So get rid of any of the other baggage, and then let's just take a minute and be quiet before the Lord and think about that. Maybe you want to use like scale of one to five with that stuff or something like that and, and let God be the doctor. So I'm just going to give you a minute to be quiet here. You can, in your own way, write stuff down, ask the Lord about those questions, and we'll move on to the next one. Okay, after you get off the scale, then uh, there's a couple different ways it goes depending on your doctor's office, but the one we're going to focus on next is you're getting your pulse taken and your blood pressure. Um, there may have also been blood tests that you got taken before you came in. So when we're dealing with the blood, there's a few different things that are going on here. First of all, are there signs of life, right? So like take a pulse and is that pulse okay? And so when it comes to our spiritual life, a very simple question is, is there vitality in my spiritual life right now? Is there, do I have a spiritual pulse Am I like, things are pumping, things are moving, like there's goodness, I'm, I love the Lord, you know, like I, that, that, that I'm alive spiritually. Secondly, when it comes to the whole blood pressure thing, another question for us here is, uh, you know, blood pressure, when you got real high blood pressure, like, all right, what's going on? You know, what are you stressed about? What's all the, the pressure coming in? And it, the verse that we just read from... Philippians 4 about the things that we're supposed to be meditating on, right before that, in the, in the verses uh, directly preceding that, that was uh, Philippians 4 starting in verse 8, but in starting in verse 4, this is what it says. And I want you to listen about, listen, think about your spiritual life while listening to these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Okay, how's my joy? Where am I at with joy in my life? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. From there is where he says, finally, brothers, whatever is pure, holy, love. Uh, so the question here when it comes to our spiritual blood pressure is, am I able to have joy right now? Am I taking the things that would massively stress me out and be able to give them to the Lord? It doesn't mean I don't have stress, I don't have difficult circumstances, but am I able to bring them to the Lord and cast them on the Lord and then peace comes? So are joy and peace marking my life or is strain and stress like maybe I'm carrying the God thing? Maybe I'm not putting things on God's shoulders, but I'm carrying the stress of God in my life. So therefore, I don't have much joy and I don't have much peace because I'm carrying the weight of the world in this stuff, you know? And so that's an important assessment. And maybe if my pulse isn't doing right and I don't see much spiritual vitality, maybe that's part of it is because I'm just feeling totally drained and dead because I've been carrying this thing for too long. Last part of the blood thing is that maybe you got blood tests before you came into the doctor and they're looking to see if there's any infection. And that might have to do also with are there specific things that are keeping me from having life, keeping me from having joy, keeping me from having peace because there's some sort of infection going on. Is there something with other people that I'm carrying, some 
bitterness, some toxic stuff going on. So that list of questions I'm going to give to you again, and I'm going to ask you to just be quiet and seek the Lord and say, search me and know me, God. Anything that comes to mind as a potential place of unhealth, just write it down. All right, the next one I'm going to cruise through. Um, very quickly, the next thing that it, that it could be is the vision test and the hearing test. You know, uh, where you have to look down at the, the, on the wall and see the letters and see what you can read or whatever and the noises they make in your ear. And, and this is just real simple, very simple. Jesus says there are those who will be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. But my sheep know my voice. Am I in tune with the voice of God? Am I seeing what God's doing? Or am I at a spot where I'm like, you know what? I've seen God move before, but right now, I'm not seeing it. Or like, I've heard the voice of God before, but right now, I'm not hearing it. You know, and, or maybe somewhere in between there. Maybe it's a scale of one to five. You know, just, uh, again, ask the Lord to provide some assessment about how my spiritual senses are right now. Now, uh, the doctor walks in. All that was the nurse. She's, she's taking all the blood pressure and, and uh, giving you the tests and everything. Now uh, you're in the waiting room, or now you're in the actual room, and the doctor finally comes walking in the door after seeing the other patients. And what's the doctor saying? What do I need to know? What's going on? Anything I need to know? What's happening, right? What's working? What's not working? You have any pain? You have anything going on? You know, what problems are you having? Uh, so a couple of questions here. What problems are we experiencing? What problems are we facing? Some of those problems are circumstantial and they're beyond our control. But sometimes those, uh, those problems can reveal something about me. What are the controllables? How am I responding to the problems? Am I engaging those problems well, or are there things about me that are, are compromised here? So that's one question. Secondly, where are, the, where are the places of pain? You know, doc, my elbow's hurting. Or, you know, I keep having my lower back issue. Or uh, there's something in my gut that's not working well. Where are the places of pain? So ask this. Where are the places of real pain in my life? This is where I think it's really important to understand that there's a thing in the medical world called referred pain. And that's that I'm experiencing pain in one place, but it's actually coming from another place. And so often, we're, you know, we're not supposed to focus on pain, but we are supposed to pay attention to pain, right? Our eyes are fixed on the Lord and you push through pain. But to not pay attention to pain means, again, that there's, those sensories in my body are there for a reason. They're there to tell me something. But sometimes it doesn't tell me exactly what I think it tells me. And that's why I actually have to talk to the doctor about that pain. Because if I'm just like, you know what, that's that old injury I had, I tweaked my back, whatever, it is what it is, I'm just going to keep pushing through. Maybe, but maybe not. Right? And when we talk to the doctor, the doctor can check it out. And this is, this is really important in the spiritual life. It's called referred pain. And this happens all the time 
in the Christian life where we are experiencing spiritual pain and brokenness and we assume we know where it's coming from. In fact, we've never actually brought it to the Lord and asked the Lord to reveal what the underlying problem is. It may be something that isn't even on our radar. And this is a great text for singing. I want you to, if you have your scriptures, turn to Psalm 19. This is awesome. Man, I love this passage of scripture. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. All of creation revealing who God is, right? Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge, and there is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. This is the voice of all of creation. It's going out throughout the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. So all the different parts of creation are crying out who God is. And it says there's a tent for the sun. And it says this in verse 5, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber like a strong man runs its course with joy. What great imagery. What an awesome writing that the sun coming up uh, just uh, uh, last, uh, yesterday, yesterday morning. Wow, it feels like it was like a year ago. It was a yesterday morning. Um, there was a huge offshore hurricane happening. So I told Jen, I'm like, I got to get down to the beach to surf. So I got up like way in the middle of darkness, drive down the shore just as the sun's coming up. And the sun's coming up and there's huge waves. It was awesome. But the sun comes up, and I was thinking about this passage, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and racing across the sky, running his race. And when you watch the sun come up, man, the brilliance of it. God, imagine if you could hear the roaring, burning of the sun. And then it comes across the sky. And what it's saying is all of creation is revealing things about God and the canopy that we exist under. The sun runs its race across the sky. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And then listen to the next verse. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Well, that was a quick shift. Everything about all of creation crying out about the sun going across the sky and the majestic glory of God. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. What's it saying? I was created and made as were you and placed in a world that we were meant to flow with. All of it cries out for the glory of God. And right in the middle of it, he made us as humans to sit in the middle of this earth, flowing with the energy of all that God put together, the warmth of the sun, the song of the birds, the raging of the waters, the fruit that's produced. We were made to fit within all of it. And God gave boundaries and rules for that to work well. And when we get outside of those boundaries and rules, things don't work well. But when we slide back into alignment with God, our soul finds revival. And so this is where I'm wanting to bring it in for a landing here. Is that that referred pain, there's circumstantial pain. 
And pain is unavoidable in our broken world. But how that pain is being handled in my life, and whether it's allowing my soul to grow, because trials produce perseverance and faith and spiritual growth, unless they don't. And if they don't, it is not because they don't have the capacity to. It's because my soul is not in alignment with the law of the Lord. And so I took a hard look, I take a hard look at the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and the great commandment of love the Lord with everything you got and love your neighbors as yourself. And I say, all right, God, am I out of alignment? Am I doing things I shouldn't be doing? Am I dealing with people in a way I shouldn't? Am I watching, listening, looking at things I shouldn't? Am I acting in ways I shouldn't? Am I not being generous in ways I should? What are your principles, your laws? And maybe some of these places of pain would actually shift if I came in alignment with you. Okay. All these things fall into the categories of spiritual, scriptural, missional, or up, in, and out, right? Where's my prayer life with the Lord? Am I growing in the knowledge of scriptures and submission to it? And am I living actively God's missional call in my life? And those are the three primary categories, like the skeletal system, the nervous, you know, when they're looking at different things. These are the three main categories. So what we're going to do as we transition now is, uh, oh, I, I need you, sorry, I, I didn't give you a minute to stop with that question. I went off on the whole thing about the law of the Lord. I'm just going to give you a minute um, to say where are places, God, where I might not be in alignment with your will, with your laws, um, uh, kind of your rules, the rules of the house, you know, the rules of that, of, of creation that you've made, your natural law. Uh, are there things that I'm not doing right? Am I lying? Am I cheating? Am I stealing? Am I, you know, doing any of the things I shouldn't be doing? Am I being generous? Am I being care? So just think about that for a second. Write down any, any place where you might need help from the doctor. In that, that whole area of the sick need a doctor, not the healthy. And if we say that we don't have sin, we're liars. And we make God out to be a liar. Um, that puts us all in the same boat, Right? That means we're here because we're sick and need a doctor. God's healed us. He's made us whole in him. He's redeemed us. In God's eyes, we're perfect and all of that. But the brokenness in our life is the thing that 1 John is saying. we got to still come to terms with that. And that's why it continues to say in that passage, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. We're not doing mass confession here. That's not where this is leading. What is happening is when we come to the Lord's table, it's a time for us to be really honest about where we need the Lord. But it's also a moment where we need healing for those things. We've done the physical. That's great. You do the checkup. But now you need things to actually be healed. We can't heal ourselves. We don't don't have the power. What we do is we bring that stuff to one another and we receive prayer. We go to the one who can can heal. So as we um, transition, we're going to have three prayer stations here. Um, One's going to be in the back corner there. One's going to be right here. And one's going to be right here. Okay? And uh, my my wife and I are going to be here. And uh, Jim and Sue are going to be standing here. And... uh, 
Jessa is going to be in the back corner. Is that good? Yeah, Jessa is going to be back there. And if you need, if, you've, if anything that you've identified today, you're like, you know what, I need prayer for this. And I need to not just ask God, I need someone to ask God with me. Then I would encourage you, and I would encourage all of us to do this. Um, this isn't like, oh man, I'm, I'm the undercover murderer here that no one knows about who needs to go. Like, what I'm saying is like, we need one another this way. And so I would encourage us to receive prayer, okay? The communion station is in the back corner. When you have kind of gotten where you need to with the Lord, either personally or receiving prayer or whatever, then you can go to the back, grab the elements, and bring them back to your seat. And then once we've kind of gone through that, then we'll uh, close together by taking communion. Okay? Father God, we thank you for this moment right now. We thank you that you are a good and faithful friend to us. That uh, I love that, that line in that song, your goodness is running after me. Like in the, surely the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. That God, you have pursued us with your goodness. And so God, we ask that even now in these moments right here, that your goodness would be pursuing us to make us whole, that you'd be sanctifying us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, feel free to, to, again, Lord, what do I need? Receive prayer, grab elements, come back to your, uh, to your chair. So I just wanted to share a little testimony of this, um, of what we've been talking about this morning and what's been going on in my life. For many of you know me well enough, I have a little bit of a control freak attitude about things and God has been very poignant about pointing that out to me over time. And so this past Friday was very, very busy for us and our family. Um, I coach field hockey at our local high school. Um, my son plays football. I'm in charge of the concession stand. So you can see how a field hockey game, concession stand, and oh, by the way, we have a football game runs all together the entire day. Add that into a very tragic um, incident with our neighbor who died very suddenly uh, in our backyard, essentially, and add that to all of the emotional things. There's a lot going on. So you sense, I sensed uh, a lot of lack of control over the situation because in the meantime, as I'm getting ready for the football game, I get splashed with uh, hot grease in the fryer by an accident of a friend of mine. <laughs> and the football game is looming and there's a lot of people coming through our lines, not enough help in the concession stand. I'm feeling the burden, I'm feeling the stressor and no one wants to work the fryer. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like the sense of control here is just out of hand. And so I really prayed and I said, okay, God, I need a miracle right now because I don't have control of the situation, and I know that you're showing me that this is a place that I need to release the control. So I need somebody who can fry for me or work on the grill, because the only person that was doing it or could do it at the time was me, and my arm was screaming pain because it was burned. So I prayed that prayer, and I just left it to him, and I said, I know you're going to provide, and I know that you're going to give me some knowledge of what I can do in this situation. And I know this situation sounds really, really small, and, but yet it was a miracle to me because in less than two minutes, a gentleman walks through the door, unknown to us or to me that he was even coming to help, and he shows up and he's like, hey, my name's Jay. I'm here for the whole night. I would love to work in the stand tonight. Can I help you out? 
And I said, nothing. <laughs> I said, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm here to help. He goes, hey, do you need somebody to work the fryer and do the grill? Because I would love to do that. That's right up my alley. And I looked at him again, like dumbfounded. And I said, you do know that you are an answer to prayer. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. I said, you are a true godsend, and please don't ever think that different tonight. And he said, I've never heard that before in my life. I said, I just prayed for somebody to come and help me two minutes ago because my arm is burned. And every time you're doing something hot and your arm is burned, it doesn't feel so good. And I'm just supposed to run this whole entire thing. And I've got control issues and we don't have control here. And I need to get this undertaken. So thank you. You truly are godsend. And he goes, well, could you tell my wife that? Because I don't think she thinks I'm a godsend. I said, what's her number? I'll be sure to tell her. But it was something so simple and so small, and yet it was God's way of showing me, like as much as I like to be in control and want to be in control, that I'm not in control, and yet he is in control. And he answers even the smallest prayers of God. I just need someone who is willing to help me fry and be a griller tonight. So it's one less thing that I gotta take care of. And it was such a really awesome display of his faithfulness in our lives. And how, to me, it was a miracle, not just an answer to prayer, but thank you, Lord, because no one was jumping on that train of, yeah, pick me, I want to be a griller. And here he comes walking through the door. Who are you? I still don't even know who he is. I don't know where he came from, but thank you, Lord, and I will take that. He is merciful.